Well, today is the, uh, uh, if you can't have trouble hearing, please come up. As good Presbyterians, the front rows are very, uh, very available. Um, so today is the third week in our series, Those Who Dream, as we look at the dreams God has for us uh, and for our world. Today's dream is for joy, and we'll see what that means in the story of Mary's calling. It's a long scripture, uh, so we're just going to get right into it. Uh, it starts out like this. It says, in the sixth month, uh, it's because it's the sixth month of the pregnancy just described by Luke in Luke 1, which will bring John the Baptist to be and make parents out of the aged Zechariah and Elizabeth. So it says, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth. Now, Nazareth was not a vacation destination. Uh, it wasn't even a county seat. I'm sure that the people who were from Nazareth took pride in their hometown, but that's always the case, isn't it? Uh, the fewer places you've been, the greater the only town you've ever lived in must be. Uh, so, so what does an actual angel think about this town? Uh, or, 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 you know, or maybe every town is pretty disappointing to a being who just came from heaven. Uh, but anyway, Gabriel came to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. Now this word for favored one is the word for grace. It can be equally translated, Greetings, graced one. So Mary's suddenly right in the middle of this amazing story of God's grace. Uh, but, but here's the thing. It's, it's, it's not really about Mary. If you dig into the text, there's no clue why she's the chosen one. I mean, what is so special about Mary? Luke doesn't give us much that she's a virgin engaged to Joseph who's from the house of David. That's about it. If morally or character-wise, character she's just like everyone else. Like any of us, really. There's no big spiel about her being super virtuous or especially worthy. Nothing about her being the perfect candidate for faithfulness. Nothing that screams, oh, that's why God picked her. It's just that God did. And that's kind of the whole point here. God chooses to do things simply because of God's grace. It's all about God's grace stepping into human life. It's not about ticking boxes or earning it. It's about God deciding to make something incredible happen. But it goes on, but she was much perplexed by his words and wondered what sort of greeting this might be. This perplexed thing really stuck me with this. Have you ever found yourself waiting for that feeling of joy to kick in? Especially at Christmas, you're like, any moment now. You're, I always deadline it. It's usually like, silent night, the last service. There it is. You know, because you know that something good is supposed to happen or about to happen, but you can't quite get into the spirit of it. Uh, it's, you know... When you're gearing up for a celebration, maybe something you've been looking forward to, then it arrives, and maybe you're still not feeling it. It reminds me, in a way, of how even in the best moment, we can feel a bit perplexed or overwhelmed. 
I think about Mary's story, sure, but really it's a common thing that we all go through. She had an angelic visit and a message of joy, and yet she felt perplexed. And here we are with our everyday lives, facing moments that are supposed to be joyful, but sometimes all we feel is a mix of uh, confusion and anticipation and uh, what have you. I mean, how often do we find ourselves just going through the motions, not feeling the, the cheer we're supposed to feel? It's, there's this pressure to be over-the-top happy, but inside we're just not there yet, and that's totally okay. It's important to remember that joy isn't always this, this big, overwhelming feeling that just hits you like a wave. Uh, sometimes it's a slow burn. It grows over time, emerging from the little things, from the quiet moments. So, so if you're not bursting with joy right away, just give it time. Allow yourself to feel whatever it is you are feeling. Because joy, real joy, isn't something you can force or schedule. It comes in its own time. Often when you least expect it. So, so next time you're supposed to be feeling joyful but aren't quite there, don't be hard on yourself. We all experience it. Joy has its own timing, and it's different for everyone. Just like Mary eventually embraced her role in a pivotal moment, we will find our way to joy in our moments, whether they're big or small. So the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. For you have found favor with God, and now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great, and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his ancestor David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Mary said to the angel, how can this be, since I am a virgin? The angel said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be holy. He will be called Son of God. And now your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month for her who was said to be barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. You ever thought about this phrase, nothing will be impossible with God? It's like a theme that runs through the whole Bible, popping up in the most unexpected places. You've got these stories, right, of Abraham and Sarah, Hannah and Elkanah, Zechariah and Elizabeth. All these couples had pretty much given up on having kids. You know, the odds were pretty good against them. But then, boom, God steps in, and things that seem totally out of the question happen. Now, when it comes to Mary, it's a whole different ballgame. We're not just talking unlikely here. We're in the realm of the impossible. And she's a virgin. <laughs> So having a baby, that's not just unexpected, it's unheard of. But here it is in the Bible. 
And Mary is just as baffled as we would be. I mean, how on earth could this happen? And the answer she gets, it's like a gentle nudge, reminding us that we are dealing with God here, and the usual rules don't apply. But, but here's the really cool part, that the whole miraculous birth thing with Mary, it's just the start of a whole series of mind-blowing events. Luke's gospel is full of them. Jesus healing people, bringing folks back from the dead. And then, the biggest shocker of them all, he comes back to life himself and heads off to heaven. It's a chain of impossibilities. And Luke doesn't stop there. He goes on to show how that same spirit that made the whole Jesus being born thing happen does something just as incredible with believers. It turns them into spiritual siblings of Jesus. They, we, become carriers of God's presence, just like Mary. So, when we hear about these things, it's not about figuring out the science behind them. It's not a biology lesson. We're in the realm of theology, talking about God stuff. It's about opening our minds to the idea that with God, the impossible does become possible. It's a reminder that when we try to box in God with our human logic, we're totally missing the point. It's about stepping into this amazing narrative of God doing things that are beyond our wildest dreams. For God, nothing is impossible. We have to confess that daily, not simply at Christmas, not simply at Easter, but on every occasion of impossibility that you and I encounter in life. So then Mary said, Here am I, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. Then the angel departed from her. I want to take some time with Mary's words here because we tend to jump to her words, let it be, because there's a great song about that. But before she says that, she says, here am I, the servant of the Lord. And the word for servant here is the word for slave. She says, I'm the Lord's slave. It's pretty intense. It's like she's saying, this is happening, but it's not really up to me. You know, it's not like she had a bunch of opinions or a say in the matter. God decided, and that was that. It makes you wonder, when God's grace comes into our lives, is it really something we can opt in or opt out of? I mean, think about it. When God's grace sweeps into our life, it's kind of like being caught up in something bigger than ourselves, being caught in a, in a river. It's like we're a part of this grand plan, and even though it feels overwhelming, there's this sense of freedom in it. Or we can say, okay, God's got this, so I can just go with it. But... But it's not just about making stuff happen. It's, it's